All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFB Talk 148. It's Tuesday night. This is when we talk college football and like to hear from you. My name is Bob Ekhairi. We're hosting this on, well, I used to call it a Twitter space. I don't know entirely what to call it now. This is X, right? So I don't know. Do we call it the, uh, is it now X space or is it a uh, space X? <laughs> I don't have no idea, but we're back. So uh, I guess, you know, uh, X going to give it to you. But um, let's talk some college football. If you have anything you'd want to discuss, feel free to hit request and we'll talk about you know, anything going on. There's so much going on in college football at the moment because we're ramping up towards the season. Lots of fun things are going on. We've got media days. We're in the middle of them, actually. I mean, we just wrapped up Mountain West and Pac-12 last week. Actually, just today we wrapped up the American. Then we have Big Ten coming up momentarily uh, this week talking about media days. But let's, you know, there's so many different topics have been coming up. Again, if you'd like to talk on anything specifically, just hit requests in the bottom left. We'll talk about whatever topic you're interested in. But a couple of topics that kind of hit me. Um, what this is, I like kind of sweet stories, sort of just quick stories that make you kind of happy about college football. So Arkansas, you know, they're running back Raheem Sanders. He has an NIL deal with Huggies because, quote, you know, because I have a little one. So he's a father himself. And his NIL deal is actually kind of, I guess, Huggies sponsored him to promote this deal where they kind of give, you know, a portion of diapers to those in need. So at SEC Media Days, he kind of um, talked about the fact that he had a deal with Huggies. And again, you know, he kind of talks about how being a father had, had made him a better person and a better leader. So I thought that was cute one. That's probably one of the better NIL deals we've heard of. So, you know, other things that are going on in college football, obviously, as we get closer to the season, Game Day has announced their first site. They're going to be in Charlotte for week one for the Battle of the Carolinas between South Carolina and North Carolina. That's a great thing to feel. They've confirmed that, you know, we're going to have Lee Corso back. So, again, I, you know, the college football season's a bit closer. Can't wait to see which head he's going to decide to be for that game. So, again, one more step closer to the season. So, happy to see college football back. Happy to see game day announced. So, again, we'll see where things go from there. If there's anything you'd like to discuss yourselves, feel free to hit request. I'll let you up onto our uh, – Twitter space, or I guess SpaceX or whatever they're calling these now that the name of the website changed. But, um, <laughs> you know, another funny moment here. And, and this is something that, again, really, I think, came into play last season with TCU's rise, the hypnotoad taking off. That was a, a joke originally from Futurama that became a meme. And I guess they keep making Futurama now. I, I'm so out of the loop. They, they're still making seasons of Futurama. So the first season debut apparently came out just this week and astute viewers noticed that they made a reference to the national championship game this, this past national championship game in the first few minutes of the first episode i guess of season 11 um in the background there's a tv with various you know fictional shows like a, a tv guide and listed there are the tcu hypnotodes versus the georgia bullfrogs so i think that was the uh, writers of futurama acknowledging that connection that was fun for them to see, you know, something that they had created take on a life of its own across, well, m multiple seasons, but last season it really went off, the, went off the deep end in the best possible way. So another kind of nice moment there. Again, if there's anything in college football you'd like to discuss, hit request, we'll hit on that, but gosh knows there's been a lot of stories this week. One of my favorites, and I don't know if everyone saw this one, but uh, Florida A&M had one of the most awkward situations I've ever seen a head coach have to address. So Willie Simmons, a head coach we've actually talked about on our CFB talk in the offseason, especially during the coaching um, carousel, because some people wondered if FAMU was going to lose him to another program, and they didn't. But he um, had to, quote, suspend all football-related activities until further notice after a rap video was filmed in the locker room without authorization. Now, it wasn't just because it was a music video, it was hip-hop, you know, it was real Boston Richie was the, uh, was the artist. It was because, well, you know, they, they said some things that were kind of totally, entirely against university policy and things that, um, I guess, you know, it, as Coach Simmons said, you know, what the university stands for. Um, so I think that caused some problems. So, you know, it's still the off-season, so they were able to kind of probably have a sit down with the team and say, you know, look, if you're going to film 
a music video with a major hip hop artist in our uh, in our locker room. Please clear it with the university first because there's certain things we don't want them saying. Because he's straight. I've watched the video. It's kind of funny. He's wearing a helmet. They're in the locker room. All the Rattlers gear is on and the players are around him. So, again, not not entirely something that you want to have happen, especially if the content of the music video ain't all that great. Although, man, I could think of some awesome. It's some my favorite music group. I don't know if I don't know if Run the Jewels would ever do one in a locker room for a football team in college football. I could totally see them, if anything, being rebellious against it. But I, I could think of some musical group that I'd love to see um, collaborate in kind of locker room hijinks like that. That would be really fun. But um, another interesting story that kind of is today's story, I would say, at least among the P5. And Ross Dellinger was one of those that reported this. But Michigan head coach Jim Harbuck in the NCAA are working towards a, quote, negotiated resolution that is expected to see him suspended for four games this season due to penalties stemming from alleged false statements he made to investigators. So the gist of this is Michigan has apparently been dealing with potential level two violations. These are minor violations in the NCAA, at least not that severe. But the problem is the NCAA started to feel that Jim Harbaugh was lying to them. And that in and of itself is a level one violation. So that's actually a severe violation. So in all of this, it appears that Jim Harbaugh would be suspended. They're trying to negotiate that. He's basically admitted now that he may have fibbed. um, And it looks like that would mean he would be suspended for the first four games of the season. As astute people have observed, that would be East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green and Rutgers all at home. So it wouldn't necessarily be for uh, Ohio State or Penn State or any of the uh, of the true challengers that people are envisioning for the Wolverines. But, you know, it would still be four games nonetheless. Although I have to say one of the more astute people in our CFB decided to make a kind of a, a wacky idea, which he nicknamed the Harbaugh switcheroo. So Mason Bruin, the user Mason Bruin, suggests that the best way to do it is to have John Harbaugh switch with his brother. And then, you know, because NCAA rules don't affect the NFL, why, don't, why doesn't Jim go and uh, coach at Baltimore and John come and coach at Michigan for four games? But um, again, that's just one of those kind of wacky ideas that people get in the offseason, which, which makes us feel the offseason in some cases can't end soon enough. If there's anything in college football you'd like to discuss, Feel free to hit request. Would love to have you up here and talk about anything going on. Um, but, you know, another moment, sort of a sadder news. Uh, Johnny Lujak, the Heisman Trophy winner who led Notre Dame to three national championships in the 1940s. He was the oldest living Heisman Trophy winner. He passed away today. Um, quite old. He was 98. Uh, but still, you know, full life. It's a it's a tragedy um, when when people pass, but he lived a full life. And again, um, he died following a brief illness in Florida today. Uh, at least it was reported today. So one sort of bit of sad news there again on a bit of a wackier news, SEC preseason polls every now and again. I don't know who these folks are, but Vanderbilt, congratulations. You got five first place votes in the SEC preseason media poll. Um, that always, I think last year they had at least one vote. Uh, we'll see if anyone, <laughs> I don't know if that's a, maybe that's a marked improvement for them. I mean, they've got five votes right now. Um, some of the users on RCFB were having some fun with that. Uh, zealous idea plum eight, six, six. He's an Alabama fan said if Vanderbilt wins the SEC, I will get a picture of Lionel Richie along with his band, the Commodores tattooed on my, well, you can guess the rest of that. So I think some people are, are happily tagging that with a remind me message so that in case on December 2nd, if Vanderbilt wins the SEC, this gentleman's going to have, uh, I, I could think of worse tattoos. Oh, it looks like someone wants to join in the conversation. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and let you up, Dave from PNP. There's always a weird time delay. If you ever get let up on any Twitter space or X space or whatever they call these now, um, once you come live, it's actually there's a time jump because there's a slight delay. So whenever you come to the podium, it, it, you kind of there's a weird jump in the timeline. But Dave, what's going on? What's up, man? You know, you know why I'm here. You know, we had some media days today. Uh, we had the Slack media day today. We had the CAA media day today. We had some interesting comments. You know, I'm a North Carolina ENT alumnus, so this is our first year in the CAA. They actually ranked us 10th, which I thought was much higher than I thought they would do. 
for us. I think we could potentially. And they've changed have, the name. It's the Coastal Athletic uh, Association now. They dumped still, the logo. But, it, now the, but it's still the CAA. Fun fact. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. A&T pushed to, to make the name change for that one. But um, but I I think it'll be interesting this year because A&T did lose a lot of – we lost some big players to FBS via the transfer portal. Like we lost Bashan Tootin, which was pretty much our offense last season. And we lost two of our starting linebackers to FBS programs as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how we do in our first season of CAA. I anticipate them projecting us around like 12th, 13th. I was shocked they had us at 10th. I think we have a shot to surprise some folks this year um, because I, I love our coach. I think Vincent Brown, him being the defensive coordinator, this is the head coach for William & Mary. I think he's going to instill a pretty decent culture, and there's still a lot of talent on that football team. And for those who might not be familiar with the CAA, they have 15 teams. So being ranked 10th isn't isn't a bad thing at all. It's not like the Pac-12, which is 10. But uh, <laughs> or I guess they technically still have 12 now. But um, so it looks like what William and Mary is projected to be first. Not shocked there. They have a pretty solid program. But yeah, it's going to be exciting here for uh, for the CAA because again, the the lineup is now much bigger. Um, yeah, my goodness. What what games got you excited going into this season? For A&T, obviously, you know, the Aggie Eagle Classic, which is not a CAA game, right? But that's just our big rivals against North Carolina Central University. That's on September 9th. I'm curious to see how – I don't expect A&T to beat UAB, but considering that they just had a coaching change as well, with Trent Differ being the head coach of UAB, curious to see how A&T does against UAB in the opener on August 31st in Birmingham. Uh, but when it yeah, this is this is the time to surprise them. I think I, I've been told that there's been chaos in the program since Dilfus became the coach. So I wouldn't be shocked. People don't realize Vincent Brown was the defensive coordinator for Howard University when they went out to Las Vegas to beat UNLV. Um, and they so he has the capability of coaching folks up to beat these FBS programs. So I'm fascinated to see how they do against UAB. Uh, but when it comes to the CAA games, um, of course, I'm interested to see if A&T continues their streak against Elon. Uh, the game against Campbell, which is the closer, was a big robbery. I actually live in New England, so I'm going to be going to the game against Rhode Island um, in November as well. Um, I'm fascinated to see how A&T handles the, the, the run where we got to play Dela- Delaware, Villanova, and Richmond in all back-to-back games. Luckily, two out of those three games are in Greensboro at home. So I'm curious to see how we stack up in that game, those games as well. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to the schedule with AT, but typically when it's the first year of the CAA, they tend to give the new teams a rough schedule. They did the same thing for Hampton last year, but um Hampton didn't get no favors either. So <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. This is a good uh, yeah, look at the schedule. This is a great schedule. So uh I think it's uh, uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this goes for for uh, for A and T in their first season in the in the CAA, and I think this is this is what I think this is something that program's been working t- towards for some time now to get into this to get into a strong FCS conference like this after that that sojourn in the Big South. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes. And Vincent Brown, solid hire from William and Mary, who's of course, as we just said, um, preseason number one, preseason rank number one in the conference. Hiring him, the assistant head coach, and their defensive coordinator, I think that's a, that's a positive step. Um, and I'm looking forward to see how that goes. It's really good. Uh, and, yeah, it's so funny. We're just talking about Dilfer. It's so funny. We have someone who is actually covering, um, and he's now driving. He's heading back because they were actually today uh, over at the um, American uh, uh, Athletics Media Day. It was also today. And he said Dilfer was probably the funnest person up there um, in terms of just at the podium. But, of course, being fun, I mean, you know, uh, he's – He's taking over a college program after, you know, coaching high school. We'll see. Sometimes that transition works great. Um, and certainly uh, UAB has some strengths. Uh, it's been coached well for many years prior to that. But, um, yeah, if, if there's a chance to surprise them, I think this is going to be a great spot to, to, for A&T because they've done it before. I mean, it's not like it wouldn't be the first time they've beaten an FBS program. So um, I still remember that Buffalo game was spectacular. Yeah, but um, looks like looks like we have someone else who wants to join up. I'm going to go ahead and let him up as well, Ronnie J. Let's see here. Oh, it's yeah, boy, Ron, of course. Yeah, and, and like I 
I've been I've been flying to Spartanburg today because I'm I'm going to be covering Panthers training camp this year this this season. So for my show, but um, one thing is certain about the swag. I don't uh, the Jackson State era is kind of over in my opinion uh, because they've lost so many players to the portal. Uh, but uh, Florida and them it's pretty much Florida and M's conference rules at this point. Even though I think Alcorn State can probably potentially do it, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I will say. Yeah, yeah. I I think everyone's going to be very curious to see how that program does now that Dion left and of course took some. I mean, not not just him, but I mean, you know, other conferences, you know, kind of poached some of those that talent. If man, I, I'm very curious to see how that goes. Um, you know, I'm. I, I don't know who's gonna rise to take that place. You know, if they if they do, if they do falter. Um, yeah, I have to ask you though, since we talked about it, I talked about it just a second ago. What do you think of the whole situation at Florida A and M with with Willie Simmons and the and the video that he he just punished the whole Man, program? Over? I've been trying to avoid talking about it, I, but you know they've resumed football activities today, from what I understand. So yeah, because it wasn't like yeah, it was like a teachable moment. It really felt like a teachable moment kind of thing. Like no, of all the things that could happen, it wasn't horrible. Yeah, like I I I felt like yes, your word you is like the thing is people don't realize Florida and, and Florida and M as an institution is a phenomenal academic institution. Um, but at the same time, I know so it's about trying to make sure to keep the image that they have. But at the same time, I feel like I, I question would anybody care if the statement started to show up. You know what I'm saying? Like, if Willie didn't do his statement, and then the the president didn't do his statement, and then the AD didn't do his statement, her statement, like, I question whether or not if anybody would have even said anything if no statements were, yeah, it, were had. You know, I think I wonder if you'd be right on that, because I think it might not it might have just kind of sailed under the radar until somebody noticed maybe at one point this video is out. But I mean, it sounds like the video got a bit of a bounce anyway before that, Um, although it sounds like the coach found out because the video was sent to him. That's what I'm sensing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He probably was like, all right, I need to probably nip this in the bud real fast. And I can't I can't knock. And the crazy thing is we just had Coach Simmons on HBCU nightly a few days prior to that breaking. So it was just the timing of everything was kind of crazy. Um, and shout out to him. I'm rooting for his program because I think for, I think if there's any year that Florida a is going to get the celebration bowl, it's got to be this year. They schedule, they schedule their, their schedule shows that as such. They have two non-division one programs on their schedule. It's pretty much celebration bowl or bust for them. So if they don't get there this year, it's going to be a question of, well, when are they going to get there? But at the same time, you're not going to fire a guy that's won nine games in consecutive seasons either. So it's going to be interesting to see how the season goes. But they should get to the Celebration Bowl. Like, there's no – the only legitimate threat to them is probably the winner of the West, the SWAC West, which is either going to be Southern or Alcorn State. But either way, they should be the favorites going to the bowl this year and to potentially win it. Yeah, because they've got a they've got a couple of those free wins with those non D one schools. I mean, Lincoln out in California, they they haven't proven that they have much of a pulse. And West Florida's a good D two school, but yeah, no, that'll be an easy one. And a local, I mean, but they should bring some fans though. I mean, that's not far away over in you know in Pensacola, so that'll be a good that'll be a good game for I think for that program to stack, see how they stack up. And of course, and then FAMU plays uh, South Florida. That's their FBS program. They're taking yeah. On so, season, Brad, so. so FAMU has the longest home winning streak in FCS currently. And of course, oh. yeah, so a lot of people don't realize that. FAMU has the longest home winning streak right now in FCS. So, and that's why I've, I've been throwing the jokes at it and saying, yeah, you guys out here playing non-Division one programs at home to keep y'all streak alive. But West Florida could give them fits. If they sleep on West Florida, the only reason why they should be able to beat those guys is because their coach, their their head coach went to town. Like, it, like you know, because West Florida's got national championship vibes. <laughs> but their head coach went to town. So they got a new coaching staff. They got a new head coach there now. But if the old head coach was there, West Florida would probably give him some problems because they're a they're well-oiled football team. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I want to take a second and let uh, Ronnie, you've been patient. Uh, yeah, boy, Ron, what's going on? Yo, what's up? Hey. Hey, all right. 
I got a question for you because maybe you know more about this than I do. So I'm moving to uh, San Diego soon, and I'm living actually not too far from Aztec Stadium. What conference is San Diego State going to be in <laughs> when, <laughs> when I move there? Oh, well, when are you moving there is the question, right? I mean... uh, probably uh, probably uh, September, uh, sometime between September and November. Well, at this point, it looks like San Diego State's probably going to be there for at least a couple of years, or at the very least September. I mean, September for sure. Up until July, it was really unclear, and that was just because of the peculiarities of their agreement with Mountain West. And this is regardless of that weird set of emails they sent to the Mountain West, which we've talked about quite a bit, but I'll happily uh, review really quick. But it looks like we've got them in the the Mountain West for at least this next season, if not a couple more um, after that. At least two years seems to be what the consensus is. So as a quick summary of what happened for those who might not have, uh, who those are kind of coming out of their college football slumber, which I don't blame you, I get it. Um, So call it. There's two things that are going on simultaneously. The Pac-12 had been talking about expanding, but meanwhile, we've now passed, I believe, the one-year anniversary of their of um, Klyavkov, their uh, commissioner, saying they were negotiating their new media deal that would start next at this point next season. Um, well, that's that has been dragged on and on and on. In fact. Right before Pac-12 Media Day last week, it was announced that they would not have the media deal announced um, in time for Media Day so they could, quote, focus on football. They made some references to new people at the table to potentially negotiate the Pac-12 Media Deal without naming any of them. You know, it it begs for a whole bunch of questions like, well, who are these stations? I mean, we've literally heard everyone from normal terrestrial TV over the, you know, over the the cable television stations to, you know, Apple TV. Will it end up being the CW, which sounds to be apparently more plausible than people realized? Um, It's still not sure. But the reason all of that comes into play with San Diego State is San Diego State and the Mountain West had an agreement where they the teams were allowed to leave without a major penalty before basically July of this year. And July, if you know anything about college sports calendar, July 1st is like the new year for athletic departments. The, the previous season ends in June. The new season starts on July 1st. So that was a big deal. And there was a huge penalty involved if they didn't pull out of the Mountain West before July 1st. And, but they weren't going to pull out of the Mountain West unless they had a place to land. The Pac-12, meanwhile, had said, we're not going to even look at expansion or announce any expansion until we have a media deal. Therein, you can see the problem here. So with the Pac-12 delaying and delaying and delaying and with all these um, conflicting statements that were coming from various Pac-12 presidents on an upcoming media deal that would never materialize, that left kind of San Diego State in the lurch. And they're... (laughs) In one of those ideas that sounded great on paper, but then when you do it in practice, um, normal human reactions don't kind of respond the way you plan. The San Diego State in June sent a letter to the Mountain West presidents basically saying, we're not leaving, but we're kind of, if we were to leave, it was it was just, I mean, it sounds almost as silly as that. They basically said, they were basically asking the Mountain West to say, like, look, if we, can we get a delay on this penalty? Can we, can we, can we wait on this penalty if we decide to leave in July? And, um, you know, a whole bunch of these questions. And the Mountain West had the brilliant reaction of saying, we're just going to take this letter as your announcement that you're leaving the conference. So we're going to go ahead and start the process of, of kind of pushing you out. To which case, San Diego State said, no, we're not leaving the conference. And that kind of um, argument is where we went, where we're at when we entered the month of July. There was a Mountain West um president's discussion on i believe the 17th that wasn't publicly announced and whether or not what was the fate of san diego state where they're going to have to pay an enormous penalty uh and from what we got from mountain west media days it seems like it's been mostly smoothed over san diego state's going to remain in the conference um snapdragon stadium which is a fine stadium that's the they opened it last year i mean it's kind of an awkward situation because mountain west as much as they're frustrated with san diego state it's a very valuable program for them. It's in San Diego. It's in Southern California. Obviously, the basketball team just surprised everyone last season and nearly won it all. Um, so, and football has consistently been good for them. 
in the last decade or oh, about a little less than the last decade, around the last decade. So it's been one of those. It's definitely a love-hate relationship between all the parties involved. So will San Diego State remain in the future? That's a big, big question because it certainly seems like if the Pac-12 expands, the safe money seems to be on uh, Southern Methodist, which doesn't isn't ha- hobbled by any of these issues that San Diego State has, and San Diego State. Of course, now that Pac-12 Media Day is wrapped up, it's starting to feel like the conference is leading even further away from the idea of expansion. But there is certainly a benefit to adding those two programs for the TV markets they bring in, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and Southern California, which has been completely erased next year when USC and UCLA depart. But also, hey, you know what? Regardless, San Diego is a wonderful place to live. So that's got to be a really nice move. Where are you moving from? Uh, I'm moving from Atlanta. So the big thing is getting away from the humidity down here. Yeah, it's going to be a lot less humid down there. That's for sure. I always say if society collapses and I need to move somewhere where, you know, um, (laughs) where, where like I don't have to worry about climate control or anything like that, it's going to be San Diego. That's like the perfect weather all year round. Oh, yeah. And the best is I finally get to move close to my family again, which is huge. You know, they all left me on loan on the East Coast. So that's the most exciting part for me. But uh, selfishly, I do want them to go to the Pac-12 sooner rather than later. Yeah, it'll be for some interesting uh, matchups. That's for sure. It'll be good. But I mean, again, it's a great stadium to see a game. They mostly do them at night, mostly. But um, yeah. So, oh, and you know, it's so funny. I see Jake, who is our person at Mountain West Media Day. I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, pardon me, he was at Pac-12 Media Day. Pardon me. Um, uh, he's here to talk a little bit about, about that. Hey, Jake, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? Good. How oh, are you? Not so bad. Could I first uh, talk about living in San Diego and how it's the best place of like the eight different spots in this country I've lived in? By all means. I mean... Hey, listen, if you got any recommendations in San Diego, you know, let me yeah, know. Here's the advice, the advice that I got. You go to the ocean, and then you start walking inland. The first place you can afford to live, you stop, and that's where you live. I had I had to walk one mile inland, been there for 13 years, best decision ever. <laughs> it sounds like a, it sounds like a good idea. I'll, I'll try that out when I go there. It's the, way, it's the absolute way to do it. So, Jake, I got to ask you, you were the person that did something that none of us ever expected. We joked about it privately, but you were at Pac-12 Media Day and you straight up asked Lincoln Riley to unblock the Reddit CFB account. And he did. Could you tell me more about this? So, you know, last year, the Pac-12 Media Days was at the uh, Jazz Club in L.A. And this year is at the nightclub in Las Vegas. And. It was kind of strange. Like uh, every time I was in like the, the main room, I wasn't feeling really well. It was just a weird whole vibe. I don't know if there was the lights or the bass sound or whatever was happening. And so I kind of stepped out for lunch early and I went into uh, the large open like lunch space where there was plenty of, you know, players and, and some other coaches and, and other media uh, that had already um, gathered or, or kind of hung out there who weren't in the, uh, the main you know, the main stage area. And so I was just looking for a table, someplace I could sit, try to feel a little better. And I just kind of happened upon the the only spot where there was some empty spots. And it had uh, three guys from, uh, oh, they were from the the We Are SC uh, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I recognize them in your picture. They've actually, one of them was a guest on on our Twitter space. Yeah. So, (laughs) so I didn't know, I I didn't know that, but I was wearing my San Diego shirt and they're just kind of talking amongst themselves and talking about how much they uh, dislike sports radio. And then they finally were like, wait a minute, you're kind of quiet over there. Are you a sports radio guy? And I was like, uh, no. And they're like, well, you know, who are you with? Because at Pac-12 media days, unlike everywhere else, like they put like, you know, your name and who you're, you know, who you're, who you're representing, which organization, but at Pac-12 media days, you just get a pass that says media and nothing more. So I was like, well, yeah, I'm with, uh, I'm with Reddit. Uh, I'm here representing them. 
And they're like, Oh, all right. Like, yeah, like, like, like we know them. So we're just kind of talking, whatever. And, and then, uh, one of them sees Lincoln Riley and says, Hey, I'm going to invite him over to sit at our table for lunch. And I was like, okay, but don't tell him I'm from Reddit. <laughs> and I was like, just kind of like, uh, kind of <laughs> melting into the chair a bit as he sits down, like uh, a seat or two over from me. And uh, they're all kind of talking amongst themselves. And then finally he kind of looks over to me and he's like, so like, what, you know, what kind of uh, media are you? Are you like printer or something? I was like, uh, a little more like uh, tech than that. And he's like, oh, well, have I seen it? And I was like, no, you definitely don't see what we do. And he's like, why is that? I'm like, well, cause you, you, you blocked us. I'm like, uh, you blocked us on Twitter. And he's like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, did you tell him why? Did you tell him? Yes, why? He, you at least tell him. Cause he's like, no, no, I didn't. I, I don't block anyone. I was like, Oh, we're definitely blocked. <laughs> and, he goes, and he goes, well, I got some people that, you know, sometimes help me with my social media and I'll clean up like the rift raft and whatnot. I said, well, we're not really rift raft, but he's like, well, uh, did you deserve to be blocked? And I said, yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> and he's like, well, what? Well, no, I mean, all we, the, for those who aren't aware, the reason this all came about was that infamous brisket well, photo. That's what he said. We, he, he, he said, well, what did you do? And I said, well, it was about your brisket. <laughs> and the table just starts laughing because they all immediately know. <laughs> and, and I said, in some ways, maybe it was good because, you know, your, your recent tuna picture, I was like, much improved, but... We probably would have called back upon the brisket if we weren't blocked. So, so he laughed, and the table's laughing, and uh, and then you know we kind of just sort of like uh, forget about, it, and they're all talking and uh, um, talking about different things. And I said, well, yeah, I said, you know, you you know, you got that week zero game. I said it'd be great if we could get uh, credential to it. I said, you know, um, unlike last year where where I was rejected, and he's like, huh. I was like, yeah, last year we, uh, you know, tried to get credentialed for the Fresno State game. You know, a lot of hype having uh, having you there and Caleb Williams there. And, and then also promote, like, you know, Fresno. And the answer we got back from USC was, uh, was well, there wasn't enough room in the press box. And I said, so I actually went to the game, bought a ticket, had a great time. So it worked out, like, really well for me because, you know, I had some – had some beers with a friend and, and, you know, they kind of frown upon that in the press box. So I was like, it's all good. I said, but I did think about, I did turn around and take a picture of the giant press box and think about tweeting out, you don't got room for one more in there. And and he laughed and he kind of asked like that. So like, you know, what is your guys' like shtick or gig? And I said, you know, for the most part, we're, we're a promoter. We're like a hype man. We're like, we're just a bunch of college, you know, football, you know, like nerds, basically. We, we love the game. We love the sport and we hype up anything that we think is, is kind of cool that we think more people should see. And I said, and that kind of goes for whether we see like something that somebody tweeted or something that somebody wrote. I said, or we do these Twitter spaces, which were really big before like Twitter kind of like got broken. <laughs> and I, I said, we did one with, uh, with uh, a girl who is the equipment manager from, uh, from Nevada. And we thought like, how cool, like she's a female in this like male dominated space. And it's just like something that we wanted to uh, let other people know about. And it was really interesting. And I said, when we've talked about a bunch of other ones that, that we've done, and then the conversation kind of, kind of turned again and, and, and went on. And then I said something about like how my son is going into a senior year of high school and he's thinking about applying to USC. Hopefully he doesn't get rejected like I did. And so the table kind of like laughed and, uh, and uh, and I said, you know, it would be nice to be at the, the week zero game. You know, it'll be one of the last games. And I, and I talked about how we do the Hawaii challenge. And we always kind of like, you know, hype that up. So finally he goes, okay. I said, what's more important to you to be credential to a game or be unblocked? And I was like, oh, be unblocked a thousand times be unblocked. And then he just sort of like kind of disappeared into his own self. And I didn't know what was going on. And I was talking to the person next to me. And then all of a sudden he pulls his phone out and he shows it to like me and everyone at the table. And he says, is this you? And it's the Reddit CFB Twitter. And it says blocked. He's got us blocked. And I was like, yeah, that's me. And at this moment, like the table didn't know, was he going to unblock us? Was he going to kind of laugh? Like what was going on? And then he just like, bam, unblocked. And I was like, like so joyous. I was like, I have to take a picture of this momentous occasion. And then he laughed and he was like, yeah, go ahead. And then I took the picture and the one that you guys saw tweeted out. That's yeah. I just I just hit that as a reply. I just put that as a reply to this space in case anyone wants to see 
the photo you took. And it's hilarious because that's when I saw that photo. I was looking at the table. I'm like, oh, it's all the WeRSC guys. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and, but one, of the other things, uh, one of the other things I actually shared with them is I said, you know, when you're on stage, I said beforehand, we were kind of prepping. And I said, we talked internally. I'll go to one side of the room and be like, uh, hey, uh, Coach uh, Riley, um, you know, water boy here with, uh, with Reddit. Uh, just wondering, could you uh, maybe unblock us on Twitter? And then have Mike over on the other side of the room going, uh, two questions later, um, yes, my name's Mike. I'm with Reddit CFB. Coach, I noticed we're still blocked on Twitter. Could you, like, unblock us? And he laughed. He's like, that's pretty funny. And so I just – I told him, like, we – our demographic on Reddit, you know, the average writer is like a 22-year-old male. So, you know, it is a little bit uh, uh, humorous, the things we do. But I also have my mom – my my two teenagers and my wife that all follow our Twitter account. I'm like, we don't tweet out anything that they would find grossly like offensive or anything. I was like, we try not to like punch down at all. We just try to be witty and funny, yeah. kind of like that. And so he was like, yeah. he's like, I like it. And then that's when the, the next conversation happened. And then he like unblocked us. So, well, I'm glad that worked out. That's just hilarious that that turned out. I really couldn't believe that conversation happened because I remember when we were running that joke, like, have you asked that question and then have Mike and another part of the audience ask the same question, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then end with an ominous see you in Chicago next year uh, for the Big Ten. <laughs> but looks like we didn't have to go to that plan. Well, <laughs> but, well there, was one, uh, there was one other thing I did throw in there, like, because I don't like it. Like, for some reason, like, uh, each thing I said, just somehow like the table lapped more and more. And I said, well, you know, we were credentialed last year, three games in LA. I said in three different games, um, including the national championship, but none of which involved USC. And the table was like, Oh, <laughs> like I was like, um, to clarify, we were at yeah. UCLA, the Jimmy Kimball bowl and the national championship. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's so funny too, because I saw him on the sideline of the national championship game. Cause I was covering that game. It's so fine. And walking the sideline, I saw, you know, Lincoln Riley, you know, and it was just, he was having a good time. It didn't bother him. But, uh, um, it was just, it was funny to see him. I'm like, huh, I was tempted to actually go up to them there and ask, but I mean, I guess that worked out well. Just, uh, that yeah. timing was really funny there, man. But, and, uh, and I'll tell, sharing that story. And, and I'll tell you what, and he shared some other stories about like his, uh, the, the, the tuna story and how he's like deep sea fish and whatnot. Of all the coaches I've got to speak with and interact with across any pro or college, um, only Rocky, like Rocky Long and him are the most like, like just down to earth and easy, like to talk to. Um, you could sit at the table with him for an hour and just have like a normal conversation, just like me and you are talking right now. So like a, a huge credit to, to him for being that kind of person. Uh, when I was walking away with the, the, we are, uh, you know, SC podcast guys, they were already saying like the same thing. And, and I said, yeah, the only person I've ever been like afterwards, I was like, dude, that was a lot of fun was, was when I was uh, at the Mountain West Media Days and, and Rocky Long and I were just sitting at a table and he was drawing up pictures like or drawing up plays on a napkin and explaining to me like why you'd run a certain defense against us. Let's see, those two. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've talked with both of the I've talked definitely with Rocky Long and I absolutely agree with that. Um, I'm glad he's still coaching, but yeah, he just didn't want to be. I think he was just tired of being a head coach, and that's when he stepped down from San Diego State. Um, exactly. You know, we have someone here who's been patient. I want to let him have a chance. Um, the Millie Goats podcast. What's going on? What's going on? I <laughs> I remember that photo of the uh, of the tuna. That was pretty funny. We actually made a comment on the uh, the color of the pools on the cabinets and how they didn't match the uh, kitchen for that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, By the way, the one thing I have to say about all these Lane Kiffin uh, cooking photos is I I feel bad for the guy because it's like it's clearly not his forte, but he's enjoying it, and I. I the one of the comments on RCFB when I think the tuna photos came out, and I thought this one really was the one that convinced me the most. So I think it was a Michigan fan or something. He's like, you know, I'm I do a lot of hobbies. I'm really passionate about that. I just am not good at doing. Yeah. <laughs> when he said that, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna. I I definitely have some hobbies where I. <laughs> you think you're good at it, and then you look on Instagram and you see someone who knows what they're doing, and you're like, "Oh wow!" Well, it's it's, it's um, one of those things I, where it's like you put it up there thinking I killed this thing, and the in one mistake, and it's over. You are now going to be roasted for the next however long. So, <laughs> can, can I add? Can I add one thing onto that? Yes. Yeah, he actually uh, was saying how his team wants him to do a 
a brisket before the season starts and then like live stream it. And I, and I was like, coach, if you do that, please, please let me come cover it. Please. I beg you. He said he was serious and he said he would seriously consider it. So, uh, so there could be more to come is what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. More to come in that. Have you guys ever seen Mark Zuckerberg's uh, smoking meats video? That's what I imagine it's going to be. Like. Oh gosh. Yes. But I think he should just lean into it. Uh, might as well play the role. I agree. <laughs> go hundred percent. Like, even if you just absolutely torch one, just let it go. Don't get mad about it. <laughs> um, but I was I was going to ask. Um, we're a big group of five guys over here at our show, specifically App State. Is the Sun Belt the premier group of five conference? You know, I I have felt strongly about this for for uh, I I I have a really big soft spot for the Sun Belt. Why? Because in 2015, we thought we would start covering as a credentialed media organization events. Sun Belt was the first person we reached out to, and they were the first people to say yes. Um, yes. But that said, after realignment last summer, yep. um, I thought the Sun Belt definitely came off the strongest because the the conference. And they were always very, you know, in a way, James Madison's a great symbol of all of this. But I mean, because the way their approach to football and growing is a lot like mimics the Sun Belt in a lot of ways. Because the Sun Belt right. was always about like, we have a good deal with the ESPN. We're not in any rush to change anything. And this is this is like 2017. Well, you know, I remember the state of the conference, you know, that was being said. It's like, we're going to stick with our deal. We're going to go forward, you know. Obviously, adding App State and, and Georgia Southern, and and uh, and then adding you know uh, Coastal, you know they they had a very methodical approach to all of this, and it's paid off because the the programs have all kind of risen and, mm -hmm. and been built up into something where you know it 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 honestly because I remember, gosh, I think those who remember the Sun Belt football. Um, opening up and because the conference isn't that is, is older than that but i mean in around 2001 when it looked like middle tennessee and north texas were going to be like the only teams of any note in the sun belt when people were trying to even predict how that conference was going to go and then we see you know the those teams end up leaving so the question was how is the sun belt going to be there was a while there where the sun belt seemed like it was really reeling and then you know, they had yeah. football only members and then there was that kind of i wasn't a fan of when they kicked out uh, New Mexico State and Idaho, and then Idaho no. ends up dropping down. So there's all yep. of these kinds of, you know what I mean? That It's oh, been yeah. a real saga. So yeah. I, I agree with you, though. I think they are, I think, top to bottom, the strongest of the uh, of the G5 right now. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see, because, I mean, I think one of the teams, I mean, App State certainly has a chance to, I think, because now they're, I believe, what they're opening at North Carolina. Because last year that was the wild thing of obviously hosting North Carolina. I think now they're yes. doing the return trip. And then you know, I believe, God, who's Coastal got? I forgot they. Uh, I forgot they have East a chance. Yes. So I, I've, I have seen some wild assumptions that they might be able to upset UCLA. And I, I don't know that one. That's on the wilder side. If they manage to do that, I admit, in my heart of hearts, I am a USC alumnus. I would yes. be kind of thrilled by that, but yeah. at the same time, I'm like, come on. that would be a bit of a stretch. But I think App State and you know and the entire conference is is going to be able to be you know is going to be able to uh, to compete. And I think at least as a G5, they are my particular favorite right now. I don't know yes. if they have the team with the best shot. I, I haven't really sat down and looked at some of the schedules. Um, I know we've right. talked because I mean you still got UTSA, you still got Tulane. Yep. So I mean there's there's some competitors out there. But it's not a crazy thing to say the Sun Belt could have a team that could. I don't know if I would go so far as to say be a CFP, uh, you right. know. Uh, but I, but certainly be the the in the New Year's Six. They they have a reasonable shot with some of those programs. Yes, I, you know, the, you know, last year they kicked it off. App had the UNC game and then Texas A and M and uh, Coastal beat. I forget who they beat. Marshall beat Notre Dame. I mean, it was it was absolute pandelirium up in there in the Sun Belt for the first few weeks. Yes, absolutely. And then James <laughs> Madison took forever to lose. You know, I mean, ah. <laughs> lose a game. I and it was so awkward because I couldn't even go bowling. You know, so right. I, I think they, they won by this season. Do they yeah, qualify they, this? I think so. And they won the uh, whatever side they were. 
Yeah, the East. I they think, were tied in first was... place for the East. Yeah, they were yeah. Uh, six and two in spell play, eight and three yeah. overall. I mean, I, I, if I'm Virginia, because they, they, they're, they're going to be hosting. Excuse me, James Madison in week two. No. I'd be looking out. That, that's <laughs> you know, not a good. Not... Not a good look. Bob. I don't even think it would be the first time Matt James Madison would have beat Virginia. Actually, if I if we probably look down the records, I mean historically, as an FCS program, they've had they've a rough had a, go at it the past few years. Virginia, because they almost lost to Old Dominion, or is that Virginia Tech? I can't remember. But well, Virginia William Tech, Mac- Old Dominion's had Virginia Tech's number. That that's <laughs> that's my favorite awkward situation for an uh, FBS program, only because. We had a uh, photographer, RCFB actually had a photographer on the field the first time Virginia Tech played at Old Dominion and lost. <laughs> and that photographer, it was his first game ever. He was like, he, he'd never been on a field that got stormed before. But, yes. you know, <laughs> the, everyone in that stadium showed up on the field in moments after that game went final. So, um, <laughs> but... Uh, I love Yeah, it. no, I mean, so it, it's, it's exciting. How about yourself? What are your thoughts on some of the season? I've been blathering on. Who, me? I, I mean, it's, it's a – given what JMU did, and then you've got Georgia Southern who's got what? Uh, Hel- was it Helton, the coach? Yeah, yeah, USC. the old former USC coach, yep. Yeah, so you've got that going on. App State's in a little bit of a rebuilding. Um, Coastal obviously lost their coach. But, I mean, Troy, I mean, Troy was very good at the end of the last year. I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up for me. I mean, obviously, as a homer, I'm an App State guy. So I'm hoping we put it together, but you know, I mean, it's not going to be, <laughs> it's not going to be easy. You know, we, we ran that conference for about four or five years in a row ever since we got in there. Now it seems that everybody's, you know, the, what amazes me is the ability uh, of those guy of some of those coaches in there to be able to game script and make adjustments, especially after the half. So you know, that was always one of the things that uh, Napier did very well. And then the Chadwell guy from Coastal, we'd go in tied at half and they'd come out running a completely different style or, you know, out, out instead of running inside zone, they'd be running outside zone or they'd attack a certain player on the field on defense. And it was just like, we are getting worked here. So I don't know what the coaching is going to be like with those two guys leaving. So that kind of makes it up in the air. Um, but hopefully F State can pull it off. Well, I, 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 I give you that, you know, Sean Clark has been a great you know, coach overall. So in the fourth season of him should be good of new, new offensive coordinator, though. So how much and actually new coordinators on both sides of the ball. Yeah. So yeah, Dale. Dale Jones had been there forever. So that he was uh, he was there whenever we played. So <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. I'm 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 intrigued to see what they come up with, if they're going to continue to run that that. RPO outside zone power running game. You know, they don't have camp peoples anymore. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. So anyways, absolutely. Yeah, no, but, and again, yeah, the amount of, I always forget, like I'm just looking at across some of these other schedules. Like I'm excited to see how Marshall does this season. Cause last year, obviously the big marquee win for them was at Notre Dame mm-hmm. um, to see how, you know, again, Southern miss, you know, strong program. I'd love to see them keep competing. I'm, I'm excited to see some bell football. That's the yes. thing. Like they over the years, they've kind of ground, they've they've worked their way up and kind of earned the their position as a strong and a, a fairly solid. Like there's and maybe it's it's a product of the fact that you know they're on the, the stable side of college football. Yes. Like the SEC and ACC aren't really looking to add anyone. If anything, the ACC is just hoping it stays together. Um, yep. so it keeps stability <laughs> among all the conferences while the West coast is just chaos, you know, who Literally knows the wild train, West, you know, man. I mean, it's, yeah. you don't know who's going where, like in the whole San Diego state thing. Like I, all yeah. I could think about was the South park meme, you know, I'm, we're sorry. We're sorry. And everybody's saying we're sorry. <laughs> so. yeah. It is. It is. So, I mean, that's, that's the other thing too. Cause I mean, and obviously conference USA nearly imploded. Which yep. is ironic because they were the ones that went through and poached a ton of the, you know, I remember when they poached a good ton of the Sun Belt, you know, all yeah. those years ago. And oh, now yeah. here the Sun Belt's the solid one. And <laughs> looking at those two teams, looking at their conference, looking at the American and and just kind of, you know, staying the course. So I, <laughs> there's a lot of credit there. A lot of credit goes to the to the uh, the way that conference has been run to stay so stable all these years. Because I remember there was some real criticism 
Um, oh, oh gosh, what was the previous commissioner's name? It's it slipped my head. Um, for sorry, I lost you know, there for. Oh, I was trying to remember the last commissioner of the Sun Belt. There was some real crit- oh, criticism towards wow. him, but I I think it worked. I mean, time sort of tell there. I mean, he just retired. I think because he he was finally. He had done it forever. Like he had been the commissioner of like the WAC. He'd been the commissioner of a bunch of things. Yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, again, so uh, you know, lots of respect to him for keeping that all together. Um, turn to remember here. I, I love that they play on the on the uh, the Wednesday nights. I think that's cool. They do kind of the action thing. You know, and Carl Benson. Record. Carl Benson. That there was his go. name. There yes. You go. Oh. Yeah, and I forgot. <laughs> Gosh, oh my god! I just love. By the way, it's so funny. I forgot Craig Thompson was actually the uh, commissioner of the Sun Belt before he became the commissioner of the Mountain West, and he was their only commissioner until he retired last year. So, uh, <laughs> man. Well, maybe they're trying to get some stability out there. I mean, you know, but you know, the Sun Belt's bowl record the past few years has been very, very good. So. Absolutely, we, I was, and I remember when they were struggling to get bowls. I remember when they yes. only had the really the New Orleans Bowl. And then they started to try and add more. And then they added the Arizona Bowl out west because it was difficult if Texas State Texas State qualified for a bowl one year, but no one wanted them. So they, they didn't go to a bowl game because they were so far west. And right. none of the East Coast tie-ins wanted to bring them in because, you know, excuse me, the traveling fan base, they weren't sure it would show. And, you know, a lot of the minor bowls, it's, it's a money-making question. You know, you want to be able to fill seats. Right. And that's when we had some of those. The Arizona Bowl was to please some of the Western um, uh, Sun Belt teams. Texas so, State had some awesome facilities. That's they got a nice little stadium down there. They got a, they got a nice, Texas oh, Tech, State. Yeah, they do. No, they've got they've got money. They just need to get wins. That's their. That's uh, I mean, San, San Marcos. It's in a nice spot. It's right by. It's not that far out of Austin. You know, I mean, one of our one of my colleagues here um, at RCFB, he's uh, yeah, he's getting his graduate degree from there um, while living in Austin. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a very it's a great area. It's just it's tough. And I mean, granted, you're in the shadow of what's in Austin. Um, so yeah, right. that, that's a little difficult. It's like being eastern Michigan. It's well, like you're, let, right. you're like a, a few blocks from Michigan. Um, so right. it's hard to, you're in like the rain shadow of, of Ann Arbor when you're in your splanty, it's like Mount Whitney and death Valley. They're really close to each other. Right. Um, so, <laughs> to the point where they suck the color from the field. I mean, the field is gray. at yes. <laughs> Oh man. Did you see the picture that came out of that black turf that somebody had put down? I think it was a high school up North. They you know, actually, it's a it's a D. I, I know it's a lower division school, and I forgot oh, which go. school is doing it. Um, and yeah, no, no, they're doing a black and they're but I don't. They're not really the. I, I are they the very first to do a black field? I know it came up though because that always gets people attention when everyone ever does a black field for sure. I don't. I've um, seen one in high school in North Carolina that was gray and it was gray and purple, or maybe it was I don't know. It was something outrageous. Yeah, and so, I know that I think is it. Um, there's at least one purple field out there in in uh, FCS, and then in FCS also has one of their their you know major premier programs, Eastern, Eastern Washington, Washington. Of course, yeah. they got the red field, yeah, the red the red inferno or whatever it's the called. inferno, yeah, yeah, exactly. It helps when you're up north so that you're not like having a black field in the south in in this time of year. Like you might as well just light your players oh. on fire and throw them out on the field and see what happens. Yeah, they, they, like summer camp in that two days and that would be just horrific. Oh, it would be horrendous. It would be horrible. I mean, like it would be it would be inhumane. Oh Those my goodness! Hellas, you know I see someone else get wants... hot anyways. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I appreciate. No, 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 no. I just want to go ahead and let up one other person. <laughs> sure. I'm enjoying this conversation a lot. Let's see here. Ski mask Smurfy. Ski mask Smurfy. What's going on, man? Can you hear me? Sure can. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I did. What you guys were just talking about, I did see that field that had the black turf, which was something crazy, but I think that's like just outside of New York City, actually. So I guess they're going to be okay during their summers, but that's still a thing. Yes, yes, that's it. It's, it's, in, it's in upstate. Yes, it's SUNY Morrisville. So uh, that's exactly it. Yeah, you're right. It's, in, it's a D3 program in upstate New York. Maybe, it's a, maybe it's, if, it's, if it's sunny, they're thinking it'll heat up and actually melt the snow. And they're trying to go that. 
It's never sunny in upstate New York. Okay, that, there you that, go. Well, it's yeah. always. I live in Minnesota. It's always sunny, and the sun doesn't do a damn thing um, in, in winter. <laughs> yeah, out here. But uh, like, this is like the one hot. This is like the one hot week, you know, right now. But uh, well, that's where they're playing the golf tournament. <laughs> but uh, so, see, ski mask Murphy, what's on your mind? Uh, I can't even remember the topic I actually wanted to talk about back when I quit. <laughs> Hit request. <laughs> no worries, yeah. man. No, yeah. You know, one thing I wanted to mention before I forget is I just wanted to, at least before I forget this Northwestern story just keeps getting more and more awkward. Um, so the AD, I don't know if, if you guys saw this. So the Northwestern AD, the Chicago Tribune published an article where they pointed out Northwestern's AD, who is a he was a former player himself. He he was writing something he thought would help other young men playing football in 2015. And it was like advice, and, and I don't know if he was trying to be like cool about it or what, but um, uh, um, it ended up having this really awkward line about calling women man's greatest distraction, and just basically he was—you could tell it was a really awkward way of trying to write about trying to talk to young what he thought young men would respond to in 2015, and given all the crap that is happening right now at Northwestern, it is just. It is it is a PR mess. One more time for Northwestern. Although it, it begs to wonder, you know, I mean, maybe the reason he wasn't reading the entire report on uh, the hazing in the program was because he was busy writing a sequel to this book. I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> this has been this has just been awkward awkward times. And you know, Northwestern, uh, the football players, not the co- not the interim coach, are the football players aren't going to be going to the media day this upcoming week and I don't blame them for that I mean it's it's going to be just a mess for them let the coach deal with it and that, that coach is a lame duck coach I mean he's the interim head coach they just hired him to be the defensive coordinator this season and now he's the he's the interim head coach of the Wildcats so it, it's gonna be an awkward time for them you know um yeah boy Ron I know you wanted to add something yeah I know what the uh punishment should be for uh for Northwestern and that that's a, they should be uninvited from the Big Ten, and they should invite University of Chicago back to take their spot until they do something even dumber. No, 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 and invite University of Chicago without any preparation. Like they actually now have to field no, an that's, that's what I mean. Like team from D three. Like good luck, guys. <laughs> just, just bring them in, you know. Give them the stadium if they need it. I don't know. I don't know what stadium University of Chicago it'll plays. Be, it'll anymore. be pre- it'll be a preparation for UCLA by using the. There's a the really. It's a dorky Reddit meme that it's UC Chicago, um, you know, you know, instead of UC, UC, UC Chicago. So yeah, you know, just call them UC Chicago. Boom, you, you're ready for UCLA when they arrive. They'll have a they'll have a partner school. Um, <laughs> Ski masks Murphy. You wanted to add something? Oh uh, yeah, I'm a Michigan alum. So right now, like looking over to them, dealing what we have going on. So it seems like perfect time for Jim Harbaugh to take his plea deal, so he doesn't have to worry about what he has going on but I did take a course while I was at the University of Michigan which was run by like the former um, PR manager in which for one of the classes he did bring in like the vice president the vice commissioner of the Big Ten and he basically explained especially because he got asked about um, the Penn State situation he said when stuff like this happens like the whole conference becomes all hands on deck so basically every PR person at every university is also trying to assist in cleaning this up and given everything that I've heard so far about what happened at Northwestern, this they're going to need like two conferences worth of PR people to handle this. Everything looks horrible, including what you said with the letter. Yeah, and I think I think you know maybe this is a uh, it, I guess USC and UCLA are sort of happy they are still in the Pac-12 for one last season <laughs> to let this to let this kind of go. But I mean, at this point, they've got so many of the greatest minds, I, I want to say, in sports working in some of these Big Ten schools. So they got that work cut out for them, that's for sure. Um, oh, let me see. we got one more person who wants to come up. And I'm going to slowly start riot- wrapping this up, but we're not in a huge rush. Uh, one other fun story, by the way. Well, not, again, not a fun story, but awkward story. So Kansas, one of their offensive linemen, and he must be – and again, I, I ca- the reason I say again, I don't want to j- joke about it too much because – uh, statistics, medical data shows that when, when basically the college age of a lot of men are where mental things can can come up if you're going to be likely to have some uh, mental health issues. But an offensive lineman at Kansas, 
made bomb threats against the football facilities and was arrested uh, today over that. So that's that's kind of a wild one. I don't think I've ever seen a football player arrested for making bomb threats on his own facilities. Um, so that is that is one of the more strange stories that came out um, in there. So again, it was offensive lineman. Um, we'll see where that goes. Um, a walk-on sophomore, so uh, not necessarily a starter, but regardless, it shouldn't make a difference in terms of just the sort of the awkward and sadness. Hopefully, this young man gets uh, taken care of. I mean, they can f- help him out there. But, John, what's going on? Hey, man. How you doing? Good. So, um, nice to be back again. Um, so, this is a tricky question, and if you don't want to answer this, I completely understand. So, speaking of Northwestern, um, you, you probably you saw it yourself. I, I saw you guys tweet about it a little bit. There's a uh, certain person that's a, uh, a member of the press um, that, you know, was, you know, talking about some very, you know, was putting up some points that were, you know, not really popular to the public or maybe just flat out wrong, uh, you know, in, in defense of the of the program and the coach that was released. Um, and, 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 you know, and, you know, if most people know, it's a little bit biased because that person went to that college, has close connections to the college. And I guess my question being is, from someone who is probably as closer to the reporter world than most of us here, when when do you really cross the line from really being a a reporter to to really just being more of a more of a fanboy or more of a just more of a like not even not even just a beat writer anymore, just being someone who just is really doesn't have the the public's mind and interest. I don't know the right way to really describe it. I, I and I get what you're saying, and this goes at one of actually the greater, you know, uh, questions in journalistic sort of, you know, not to get I, I I hate making it sound too academic, but it is one of the great kind of academic questions of of journalism and practical questions as well, um, in terms of ethics, in terms of um, what kind of information is reportable and what angle do you take. You always have to be careful if you're if you're being serious about it, um, to not be. Uh, to be willing to look with an objective eye at whatever you're looking and whatever you're reporting at, but at the same time, and this is, gets interesting too, because I, I know I've had this conversation with a few people because one of my favorite conversations I had was with one of the better known beat writers. Um, I can't remember if it was Chris Vanini or who it was, but it, w- the question was like, how much information do you not report on? And not because, you know, it's and it's not like a a secrecy to, to try and ensure because, I mean, there's a there's another side to this and, 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 and you know, a more nefarious side that as the years have passed, sports information directors have gotten more control. Athletic departments have gotten more control, not sports information directors. They're just the they're they're the they're just a part of the, the machine. So it's actually been harder for some sports journalists to even get access to players, to coaches um, so people will have to play the game a little bit more and kind of in a way you, depending on how powerful your, um, uh, media entity is, uh, how much you can even really say in certain circumstances. So, but setting that aside, uh, somebody who is playing, you know, a proper journalistic role, sometimes they get lots of information and they just don't report on it because it isn't really, either it isn't really, while it might sound salacious, it isn't necessarily relevant to, really anything pertinent to the sport or it's something where they just can't substantiate it enough. And of course, sometimes those end up being true uh, and sometimes they're not. And some, some institutions of uh, media outlets will have much more rigorous requirements like the, the, you know, the wall street journal, the New York times, more, more the ones that take themselves extremely seriously while some, who are more on, you know, and, and I'm not dissing blogs, but I mean, the, the more casual you get, the more likely you might be willing to run with something wild. Or, you know, if you're just sort of a freelancer on a Twitter account, you might be willing to run with something wild. And I'm not saying like uh, RCFB, we do some reporting, but we're also, you know, we, we're as Jake was explaining, we're more, we're more of a kitchen sink kind of operation. Um, and we, we put no airs on to assume that we're, you know, going to compete with the Associated Press or anything like that. But um it's it's tricky, and sometimes this has to even do with, gosh, some of the respect that that you know and disrespect that goes within the journalistic profession towards sports journalism. Historically, um, if you read sort of the studies of journalism, the the 
sports is considered the toy department. I've heard it written that way, and I love that. It's stuck with me ever since because it's it's the silly. You know, people are writing about war. People are writing about you know important political issues that are affecting you know millions of people, and then it's like, oh, by the way, you know, <laughs> these guys totally screwed up on the field. Ha <laughs> You know. So I mean, it's there's there's that aspect of it as well. And I mean, part of it, that's what makes it so joyful to report on, because, you know, in the end of the day, sometimes there's some really horrible things that happen. But most of the time it's it's sports and uh, it's it's fun and it's it's frivolous. But I so I think because of that, there's some more room for people to to do things in their reporting that may not would would never be OK um, and certainly would be quicker to be slapped down. If it weren't sports or, you know, another analog, I'm not, you know, I always see it brought up because it's like it's, it's sports journalists can also we're always classically, you know, they were ones worried about people looking down on them, the journalistic uh, in, in the newsroom. But then they can now look down on, I guess, the video game reporters, you know, or, or something like that. So, I mean, it's it's uh, it's that kind of the further down you go, the more wild and kind of weird the, the reporting gets. But um and I apologize to kind of turn that into a more abstract uh, answer because you brought up a, an interesting question um, on how, you know, reporters comport themselves. And, and it can be tricky, I think, sometimes if if you're not careful to let your fan hat come into play. Like, oh, I, I fully admit I went to USC. I went to the University of Minnesota. I really, you know, I, I get some joy when, when at least when USC does well. When Minnesota does well, it's more humorous. Um, but uh <laughs> you know, it's at the same time, you know, it, you, you always have to be careful not to believe that. And I was I was generally worried because I tend to cover the national championship for our CFP. There was a brief moment towards the end of last season where I'm like, there is not an insignificant chance that USC might accidentally slip into the playoff and either get blown out or somehow get into the national championship and get blown out. In which case, what the hell? Well, that's going to be a wild one to have to deal with. Um, I live in Minnesota, so I don't really have to deal with with reporting on that team. But um, well, Jake can. And hopefully he will um, <laughs> uh, out in in Southern California. But um, yeah, no, th that's a great question, and and I'm glad you brought it up. Goodness, that was a that was um that was an Ooh. academic. Yeah, that that was that was a good that was a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I'm a professor on the side? <laughs> Not in journalism, but at least in something. Yeah, no, I. Uh... <laughs> I, yeah, know. I, feel, so, I feel like I, I figure I owe you like twenty five hundred dollars for a credit now. Oh please! I, I, well, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll pay you uh, when I, when I can, though. <laughs> oh man! Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and use this as an opportunity to slowly go ahead and wrap us up. I had a whole lineup of things on NIL to talk about because we have all of these proposals. There's like literally at this point, there's five congressional proposals. The bottom line, and I, I personally agree with this. Um, one of my favorite sports law writers and professors, Michael McCann, that the odds of any of these current things in Congress moving forward is still pretty low. We keep hearing new ones. They are they flash in the pan for a day or two, and then we don't hear about them again because there's there's so many rival plans right now, and they're all bipartisan, so it's not like any of them are, are you know team A or team B. It's just everyone wants to put their name on it. So whether we'll ever get anywhere with this NIL stuff uh, on the federal level, we'll save that for another show. But... um. You know, we're going to wrap this up. I want to thank all of you who joined us. This is a good talk. I, we always do these on Tuesday nights. We typically go for about an hour or so. Um, my name's Bob Ekhayeri. This was RCFB Talk 148 on, well, I guess it's no longer Twitter. I guess it's X. I don't know if we call it a Twitter space. X space, space X. <laughs> but uh, X going to give it to you. I'm going to go ahead and hang up and listen. <laughs>